Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. gentlemen i am your host blake ruffino this is are you serious sports we hope that you guys are making it a good one we know that we are as well benjamin michael ruffino is in the building good evening sir how are you i have Fortnite. you're gonna play Fortnite. you don't even have a Fortnite. yes i am yes you are all right so we have a question for you did you last night go to your first lsu baseball game yeah did mr tanks hit a home run did you have tons of fun? Yeah. Did you catch a ball? Yeah. Did you get a shirt? Yeah. Am I the best daddy of all time? <laughs> Bruh. <laughs> get your butt out of here, but close daddy's door. Okay. <laughs> and we are live. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Blake Rafino. This is AYS. We hope you guys are making it a good one. All right. My man roasted me live in the building. My gosh. My gosh. You got to love it. But massive show in store for you tonight. Rafino's rants coming down the pipe. Pause. Rafino's rants coming to any individual that thinks it's okay to continue to go after LSU athletics because a library is falling down. I am with you. I am with you. In reference to, and will fight the battle alongside you about getting funds for a library. Ask me to help. I will be there for LSU. However, if you're a casual sports fan and you don't know what you're talking about, stop lumping athletics, stop lumping Brian Kelly, Scott Woodward, Ken Mulkey, and every LSU athlete on that campus 
with a library not being built and really needing renovations because it's not LSU Athletics' problem that your library sucks. You know, what's interesting to me is last night, and this is going to be a shot at my alma mater in Southeastern. You got to be able to stream a live ESPN event when the number one team in the country comes to your building. They don't have those problems with their facilities. Don't tell me that LSU Library cannot be renovated. We'll talk about that. Okay, a lot of things we got to get into. Portal Kings and Queens on campus. Tomorrow, tomorrow, there's always tomorrow. We're only, hopefully, please, dear sweet Jesus, a day away. (laughs) We'll talk about some portal potential additions. Also, Wilson Alexander from The Advocate joins us at 7.30 to talk all things LSU. We go around your SEC. And since we missed last night, we'll do hashtag as Blake. So thoughts, questions, concerns, get them inside the Rudy Crew chat. We'll get to as th- get to them, as many of them as we can. Uh, Levi, what a picture right there with Shane Chervinsky and that mustache. Says LMAO to Ben. Paul Sub Martin says that should have let Ben stream the game. Thanks a lot to the Southeastern cameras. This is what I do know. Okay, so I talked to the administration, athletic administration, some at Southeastern. They called uh, ESPN multiple times to because it was some connection issue was on the ESPN side. And before you say, well, Blake's just sticking up for them, it's not an excuse. They got to get that done. They have to have that prepared. It's not an excuse. It's not an excuse. Holden Lee says, Big Ben in the building. Chris H. says, Ben Mintz got the axe. Well, man, I don't even know where to start with that. I don't even know where to start with that. Uh, Brian Polian out uh who we get to replace him nobody (laughs) uh jacob wiggins says let's go on youtube i appreciate you guys all joining in william hano says cuz who posted that i don't know what's going on with william hano oh and maybe he said something else they built they rebuilding that as they did for the band correct i i don't know i i don't know if they're rebuilding the library no clue. Tyler Townsend says, let's go. What's up, Tyler? And Wade McBride says, think BK can land uh, Logan Diggs. We talk about that in Portal Kings and Queens in just a minute. So since we have so much we have to get to, let's waste no time. Everybody do us a favor by hitting the like and share. Share to all of those social media groups. Share to all of those social media pages. If you're listening to us on Facebook, share to those groups. Share to your own uh, page. We greatly appreciate you doing that. If you're listening to us on YouTube, like, subscribe, notification bell. We appreciate you doing that. If you're listening to us wherever you listen to podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe. Or if you're listening to us on SiriusXM, tune in at wherever you're listening to it. Do us a favor by rate, reviewing, and subscribing. And a lot of TV news coming 
in the real near future. We'll give you that to uh, and post it on all of our social media pages. One thing I did not uh, say that we were going to talk about, we will break down some Auburn or LSU and Auburn uh, uh, preview. Uh, we'll do some recap and stuff like that. But until then, we'll, uh, we might save that until after Wilson Alexander uh, leaves us. So we got a full plate in store for you here tonight. So let's get rolling. Let's talk about our good friends over at betonline.ag and our good friends over at GM Varno and Sons, GMVarnoandSons.com. Guys, we're back very soon. Don't hit that dial. Be right back. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way for you to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, events, with the first-to-market odds in lines. Find reviews for all the news for each league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, college sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information for live, in-game betting, props, and futures. Head on over to BetOnline today and use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline.ag, BetOnline.ag. With over 65 years of experience, nobody is better equipped to service in your vehicle than GM Vardo and Sons. RV repair, big rig overhauls, motor chassis, routine maintenance, tire rotations, tire sales. No job is too big or too small over at GM. If you break down the side of the road in the greater Baton Rouge area, they will come and get you. And the best thing about that is that they can come and get you and then they can bring your vehicle back to their shop and start the repairs right then. Again, GM Varno and Sons, go see them over at 2500 Full Boulevard. Give them a call at 225-664-9992. 225-664-9992. Tell me, good friend, Blake Rafino, sit you on by. Oh, we're back. There you go. There you go. We are back. We are back, baby. Uh, Levi says, relatively new here, but I do have to say I'm loving the new content. Uh, I listen to the podcast at work. Yes, if you are not listening to us on YouTube, we break. We are literally loading down our YouTube channel with content. Uh, and it's been massive. I think uh, the the segment when me and Carter, or Carter and I, I should say, got somewhere near like 10,000 views. So thank you guys so much. It's been such a help to us and growing our platform and things like that. You have no idea how appreciative I am of that. Just do us a favor. Tell everybody, tell every LSU fan that you know. Let me say this too, to all the Southeastern and LSU fans. Look, it's really wary. I don't like going out and being out in public uh, at a sporting event. I don't like people seeing me. It's just, I, I I don't, especially when I have my son, Ben, and my wife, Megan. Uh, I just want to um, thank everybody. There was a lot of people that came up to us and talked to us and said they watched the show. Um, I, I really appreciate that, man. I, I really do appreciate that. It means the world to me, and it definitely means the world to Ben. I mean, he loves... A lot of that stuff. Let me get to this Rafino's rants, though. Everybody is, while I'm talking about this, you're hitting the like and share. Let me talk about this, though. I don't know if you saw this. I don't think it has a lot of credibility to put on the air, right? Like, I don't think I should take a hedge fund manager's tweet and put it on my show. So I'm not going to. However, this got a lot of traction. 
yesterday when we were at the game. I kind of was off Twitter. I was just posting stuff, whatever. Wasn't really just going up and down on Twitter. 20 million views later, a big debate came up about LSU and its athletic facilities and its library on campus. Let me first start off by saying I'm with you, okay, about the library. If that's really what's going on at LSU, it's unacceptable. It can't happen. I will fight alongside you. You want a new library? Let's stand hand in hand, shoulder to shoulder, and fight it together. But there's a massive problem, though, for any Looney Tune that rolls out here and legitimately wants to make the comparison and argument for LSU athletics and the facilities that athletics has versus a new library. See, I know something that maybe the casuals don't, and I know that you more than likely know more than what the casuals do because you know and have been around sports that if the PMAC is going to get renovated, more than likely it's going to come from a massive donation. The locker room, the massive and amazing LSU locker room, you do know stems from the little, literally from TAF and donors going out there and building it themselves. See, I'm so tired of political parties, right or left, doesn't matter to me. Trying to continue and attack LSU athletics for their facilities because I don't think you understand. The athletic director is the one that's going out there and raising the funds to get those facilities. You do have a a president that's on campus who could do the same exact thing. You do know that every quarter, no matter what, William Tate gets a list, or should, by the law of the state of Louisiana, gets a list of donors to reach out to. Did you know that William Tate, who, by the way, I might add, who's done nothing but support LSU athletics, done some really good things academically for LSU. This is not a shot at William Tate, but his base salary is $750,000 a year. See, what's interesting, one of, I might add, or what some could argue, the second highest paid state employee in Louisiana. If they do have those things, it's a university issue. It's not an athletics issue. See, what you fail to realize and what the guy that teaches uh, media courses at LSU doesn't seem to understand in his small little brain is that LSU athletics generates a half a billion dollars a year generates that do things around LSU need to be changed and fixed hell yeah they do you got to make an effort to make academics a big thing I'm with you there but at what costs at what costs 
Now, we're going to toss to Wilson Alexander in a minute in reference to some academic issues that LSU football is under that he's going to be able to come in to explain. But that has nothing to do with LSU athletics having to take the blame for something that LSU leadership allowed to happen. You, everybody is so quick to put sports and athlete, athletic or athletes and athletics underneath the microscope. You know, it's like if LeBron says something, but the same person over here says something, LeBron gets ripped more than the person, the, anybody else on the face of the planet. You know, I'm old enough to remember last week when Tyler Buckner transferred to Alabama that you had people that follow us on Twitter, not in the media, were quote tweeting it and using racial slurs. But then everybody else is supposed to be held to a higher standard. I get what you're where you're coming from. And if you run a hedge fund, if you, whatever you do for a living doesn't mean that LSU can't take care of it their damn selves. You need to start finding out what LSU athletics really does because, and I said this two weeks ago. I said it two weeks ago. I'll say it again. I'm old enough to remember in this state when Bobby Jindal was forcing LSU to pay the state of Louisiana so that they would not be in a deficit. And LSU had to go to the athletics department and start grabbing money out. You have endowments for a reason. You know, as I finish here, as I finish here, I look at LSU's endowment and what normally they run into. Did you know that LSU's endowment is six hundred? and $96.7 million. $700 million endowment. And yet you have Rudy Poos out here talking about take money from athletics when you have $700 million to work with. I can tell you this. I could build a freaking library for a million dollars that would make everybody in the country's library look like cottage cheese. LSU's library for a million dollars would be the tuna tartare of libraries. So stupid that we have to come in here and, and talk about it. I don't get it. I just don't get it. All right. Let's move into some other things. Portal Kings and Queens. Blake, what are you talking about? So, look, LSU has been known, if you go around the country, for being very progressive and a, a, a progressive and aggressive when it comes to going into the portal. It's not just been for one sport or one gender group. It's been for a lot of sports. Women's basketball, men's basketball, college baseball, and obviously football. But there are some things trending here. 
Keon Coleman is a receiver that we talked about on Monday, but Logan Diggs we did not spend a lot of time on, who I think is trending well, read between the lines, if you can, towards trying to make his way back home to the Bayou. It's not what I'm really wanting to focus on, even though I do believe that Brian Kelly is going to do some good things. Look, if we want to talk about football, which we, we can and we will, we'll, we'll spend a lot of time with that with Wilson Alexander. Here's my thing. I think Logan Diggs needs to be in Baton Rouge. With the, uns- excuse me, with the uncertainty of John Emery, with the offensive weapons that you have, with where you're trying to go, if you're trying to go and win a national title, yeah. You, if there's any other back in the country that said that he would want to come to LSU who, by the way, had 1,000 yards from scrimmage a year ago with a rotating backfield, yeah, I think Logan Diggs can play. And not only do I think that Logan Diggs can play, I also believe that maybe there's a potential where he's one or two behind Noah Kane, behind Josh Williams, and you might rotate some older backs in that backfield. He's going to get his reps. Guys, last year, he did not get a lot of touches. But when he did, like I said, he had 1,000 yards from scrimmage a year ago. 10 catches, 211 yards, multiple touchdowns. Guys, he's averaging 20 yards per catch. Knows Brian Kelly's system. What Brian Kelly wants to do. I think it's a massive addition if you go and get Logan Diggs. Keon Coleman's a guy that's going to Florida State, allegedly, um, this weekend. Let's see what happens with Keon Coleman. But there's another young man that we have not mentioned on the show yet, and his name is Trey Atmos from UL. He's a corner. And literally every Power 5 team in the country, damn near, has offered Trey Atmos to be a part of their program. I feel good there, too. So, you know, if I feel good for Logan Diggs and I feel good for Trey Atmos, what does that say about LSU's depth coming in? What does that say about LSU as a team and a whole? LSU's third running back, potentially, if you were to add Logan Diggs, had a thousand yards and a thousand yard season at Notre Dame a year ago. If Trey Atmos were to come from ULL to Baton Rouge, you mean to tell me that you have a potential of Denver Harris, a five star corner, having to be a rotational piece, potentially? Maybe Zy Alexander? Talk to anybody in that building. Zy is doing some good things. He had a pick during. The uh, during the spring season that made everybody ooh and ah and their jaws hit the ground. When you add and have quality depth like LSU is potentially trying to do here in football, guys, the, it's only getting brighter here. And I think Brian Kelly knows what he's doing. You know, the kid R.J. Mouton, uh, Moton or whatever his name was, a lot of people said that, you know, they liked his their LSU's chances. I try to hint at this Monday, LSU was not even remotely in the race. They might have gotten a visit, but he was always going to Florida. Maybe LSU can use a safety, but I don't think that there's a safety potentially out there right now that they can go and get. So now you get Trey Atmos. Maybe you move a very talented freshman 
like JV and Taviano and start getting them some of those safety reps. I think that that's a big deal. So as we look at the Portal King or one of the Portal Kings on campus and Brian Kelly, I think he trends in a really good uh, place for Logan Diggs and Trey Atmos. Let's see what happens there. Maybe they want to choose somewhere else because Trey Atmos has literally gotten 45 offers in a day and a half. That's how good he has been. We'll continue to follow that. But like I mentioned, not only did I say the Portal King, but now we need to talk about the Portal Queen. Pooh Bear, you know what my favorite song is? Tomorrow, tomorrow. I feel really good about Anisha Morrow. Let me... Let me say that if Kim Mulkey is able to pull off getting the top two players in the portal after winning a national championship, she's already got Haley Van Lith, and if you're able to get Anisha Morrow, who averaged 25 points a season ago, 12.2 rebounds, two assists, a 6-1 forward, who is really, really good and special. I have to agree with my good buddy and Matt Trent, who could beat them. Now, you may be asking yourself the question, wasn't Morrow supposed to be visiting South Carolina this weekend? The question to that, or the answer to that question is yes. Until today when you started hearing some rumbling, some people believe that that visit might not even happen. Now you have two juggernauts in the same conference with Dawn Staley and the South Carolina Gamecocks that we just mentioned, and your LSU Tigers who now are really going to be battling back-to-back. If Kim gets Morrow and she already has Van Lith. I I just don't, I feel so good where they sit because not only do they have what would maybe be considered a big four, maybe, but the depth that they have, the depth, some of the girls that would come off the bench could go anywhere else and potentially just be outright stars and starters. Anisha Morrow could go to South Carolina and start. She's going to start. But LSU has so many weapons. Showed in the national championship game with how many threes that they were hitting. I've said this before, and I will say it again. Has LSU women's basketball taken over as the team, the face of women's basketball? Has Kim Mulkey, has Kim Mulkey in two seasons changed the face of women's basketball? You know, look, Dawn Staley has been a pinnacle uh, face and figure there. So has Gino Ariema, the great Pat Summit. 
the great and late Pat Summit, rest in peace. Is Kim Mulkey and LSU now the face of that? I do believe that you have to ask yourself the serious question, is it not LSU? I know Geno has 11 national titles, hadn't won any in back-to-back seasons. Is that, and pun intended, tie turning? Now, I see one of the comments in here saying that Don Staley ain't worth nothing. I vehemently disagree with you there when it comes to teams being very good. She's a really good coach, and her team's going to be really good. And there is, you know, if the visit does actually happen, which kind of looks a little thin and be to be on thin ice with Morrow going there this weekend, you there's a potential that you have to play her as well. I will wrap it all with this. I'm old enough to remember. Now, b- before you say, well, Blake, these are national things. I'm with you. I get it. I get it. I'm also old enough to remember when everybody and their mama, not everybody, let me not say everybody. I'm old enough to remember when a lot of people around this area were saying LSU was behind in NIL. See, the thing that we that we didn't talk about with name, image, and likeness was the simple nature that when you put that brand on, when those three little letters go across your chest and you do the John Cena, you can't see me, and you point to a ring, you point to your ring finger. Things like getting a brand new $65,000 Mercedes happens. LSU, in my opinion, and I know... We got ripped alive for it. 30,000 views later, 1,000 comments later, you ripped me alive for this, some of you. It is of my professional and personal opinion that the new face, if tomorrow happens, get the pun, that there's a new face in women's college basketball. All right. Let's do this. I do see a lot of comments, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to go to Wilson Alexander from The Advocate. We got a lot we got to talk about with him. Jimmy Lindsay is hired. Is he surprised that he got paid $750,000? A guy that's only been in the SEC for two years? We talk about them with him. Oh, 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 and by the way, I forgot to tell everybody, Pooh, Brian Polian is gone. What does it mean for LSU? Do they replace Brian Polian in reference to the assistant to the head coach? Wilson Alexander, who's been covenant so great, joins us next. Let's talk about our good friend Carol Falls over at State Farm. That's Carol Falls. Guys, just listen to your buddy. Listen to old Blake here. Why not call Carol Falls? Why not attempt to try to save money on your premium by giving him a call? The worst thing that could happen is that Carol tells you that I can't beat the rates that you have right now. Call him today. Let him know that you're good, that you're good buddy. Blake Rufino sent you on by. All right. Talk about Carol Falls and State Farm. We're back very shortly with Wilson Alexander from The Advocate next.
Guys, you might know my good friend Carol Falls and all the great service that he provides over at State Farm. He is your good neighbor after all. But did you know State Farm has surprisingly great rates as well? Along with a great neighbor service, State Farm agent Carol Falls has surprisingly great rates for everyone inside the state of Louisiana. So call him today at 985-395-4300, 985-395-4300 for all of those surprisingly great rates on auto, home, and life insurance needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there and individual premiums will vary by customer. All applicants subject to the State Farm underwriting requirements. We're back. The man is back. Wilson Alexander from The Advocate. What's up, buddy? How we doing? Well, if anybody can tell that I'm sweating, I just got back from the gym. So that's how we're doing. If I'm, my face looks red, it's because I'm still sweating. <laughs> you do look like you just went on a David Goggins type of run. I got to admit. If people don't know who Dave Goggins is, you know, he's the big runner, you know, whatever. Great book if you ever read it. Well, I'm glad you're here. We got a lot to discuss with you. Got a lot of questions. I do want to get to the article and the news that you broke earlier today. We'll get to that in just a minute. But since there's so many things that have happened since the last time we talked to you, I got to start off with Jimmy Lindsey, the new defensive line coach. Uh, comes from South Carolina to LSU. Wilson, number one, are you a little bit shocked at that hire? And and I was shocked. You broke this news about the $750,000 that he will make this year. I did not expect that when I heard the news just based off that resume. But nevertheless, LSU goes out and spends the money to get who they want. What do you think about Coach Lindsey uh, being the next D-line coach at LSU? In terms of the levels of surprise, the contract was more surprising to me than the hire itself. Right. Uh, Jimmy Lindsay wasn't necessarily a name that came up, but LSU, to their credit, under Brian Kelly, has done a good job of keeping his assistant searches very tight-lipped. Um, there wasn't a lot of chatter about John Jancic, for instance, uh, just a few months ago before he right. got promoted. So, But he did check off a few boxes in that he has coached in the SEC, albeit for not very only two seasons, and he has recruited in the Southeast landscape for a very long time. Now, that was something that Brian Kelly you know, said was that they needed to have experience recruiting in the S. I thought he meant more in the SEC itself, but he does, Jimmy Lindsay, have experience in the SEC footprint. Been all over the place like Charlotte. He's had spent a lot of time recruiting in Georgia. Um, and if you noticed, maybe anybody when he was on Twitter posted a, a picture of his new, you know, the LSU logo, basically confirming from his end that he'd been hired a few days ago. There was a lot of high school coaches from around the Southeast, particularly in the Carolinas where he's from, who were giving him props and that kind of thing. So he checks right. off that box to a degree, but he just hasn't proven it for very long at the SEC level. They got Xavier McLeod and um, all of a sudden the guy's name is escaping me, but a junior college defensive lineman in this last class. So we'll see how it works out. The contract was more surprising to me because, like I said, I mean, he was earning, he was set to earn just under 500000 at South Carolina this past year. And so LSU gave him a significant pay bump from that as well as paying $300,000 buyout that he was due to pay South Carolina. Um, so that part was a little bit more surprising to me. He's going to earn up to $800,000 uh, in year two. Wilson, he, uh, Lindsay has been under Matt House before, coached under him, knows what he wants to do. Um, how much? Let me tell you what I, I feel about this hire to an extent. This feels a lot like Brian Kelly leaning on Matt House about what they want to do up front. It feels as if that Brian Kelly gets one of his guys that he knows that can coach the outside and John Jancic while Coach House gets 
somebody that he knows that he trusts to coach the D-line. Did Do you feel that, or do you think that's what they're trying to go with on that up front, or, or am I missing the boat there? No, certainly there was a connection between Matt House and Jimmy Lindsay going back to their year together in 2005 at Gardner-Webb. Um, so there was maybe a, t- a degree of familiarity there. And Matt House was certainly going to be involved with any hire that was made on the defensive side. Um, right. Brian Kelly has said before how he gives his defensive quarters quite a bit of autonomy. Um, I mean, he had a say ultimately in the John Jancic hire as well. Um, if, and he wanted, you know, because he partially because he wanted – you know, an outside linebacker's coach devoted to those jacks because it is such a sort of different from position from what gets done on the defensive interior. And that's another thing that about Jimmy Lindsay is that he sort of matches exactly what LSU wants from the defensive line coach because he is not coaching those stand-up edge rushers like uh, Jamar Cain was having to do so a year ago. Um, he's just got the guys with the hand in the dirt, you know, the defensive tackles and the defensive ends in this right. LSU scheme. And that's something that he's done. He, you know, he hasn't really coached like those Jack linebackers before. He's really been with the interior guys at South Carolina. Uh, not Jordan Birch. People keep saying Jordan Birch. He didn't really coach Jordan Birch. Um, but, but it was, um, you know, Zach Pickens and, uh, and then a previous stops at defensive end. So he checks that box as well. Uh, one more about staff stuff that's happened this week. Brian Polian is now the new athletic director at his alma mater. I think it's John Carroll University. Uh, Wilson, I, I I was not necessarily completely shocked by the Jimmy Lindsay news. I mean, he's an SEC D line coach, a, a coach with Matt House, like that something. Brian Polian leaving is a little interesting to me. After you, dem- I don't want to say demote, but he's not over special teams. He's the assistant to the head coach, and now he's an athletic director. We, you know, there's always these rumors and rumblings about him. Were you shocked to find out about that one? Because if there any is is any staff news that I was shocked about, Brian Polian ultimately leaving to me was probably the biggest. Yeah, they him and Brian Kelly had been together, you know, for six years, uh, going back to, to Notre Dame. Um, but it's not necessarily once he got moved, however you want to say it, into that off field role. I don't think at any point it would have surprised me that he would have taken another position. Right. Um, I remember him talk at the coaches clinic talking about how you know in that. He was basically giving a speech to high school coaches and talking about how, you know, sometimes you just have to like own up and adjust, even though things might not be exactly what you want and stuff like that. Um, you know, and when you, you know, sort of your career takes a different change sort of late in your career, because he's been a football coach now for 25 years, uh, you know, in terms of cleats in the grass and all that stuff. And he was having to adjust and he was talking about a lot of that at the coaches clinic. And so it didn't necessarily surprise me that he w- looked for a different kind of opportunity um, it's interesting that he's going to be an athletic director. I mean, that's not something that he has any experience doing. Um, so in terms of, you know, surprise that he, that he ultimately was going to leave LSU, uh, no, I didn't think that he would probably stay for a really, really long time once he got moved. Um, but this seemed like a good chance, you know, thing for him and his family to do. Um, like you said, he's got some young kids. He's moved like over 10 times in the last 25 years for jobs. So this gives him a chance to go back to a place that he's familiar with um, and like he said in his, his statement, sort of settle their family a little bit, maybe not have to move quite as often as they have been over the years. Yeah, and moving that many times in that many years is tough, man. I, I mean, one of my best friends was a – what do you call that? A, a An or, army brat? Is that what you call kids that move all the time? So, you know, whatever. And that 
poor guy. He's like, yeah, Blake, I've lived in 17 different places in three years. You know, so it's just, it's just always very interesting. Uh, Wilson Alexander from The Advocate joins us. Now, Wilson, you broke this hour about three hours ago today, and I'm just going to quote what you said. You said LSU football's last multi-year academic process, uh, progress rate uh, score dropped to 923, falling under the minimum of 930. L- LSU won't be receiving any penalties behind that this year can you explain that uh, a little bit here and then number two is do you know what what's going on here like because a lot of people you know are, are asking like how much is this under brian kelly versus orgeron and, and all that kind of stuff can you break all of that down for us in the story that you broke absolutely this is more reflective of the end of the ed orgeron tenure than it is the beginning of the brian kelly era this, the, this score is from the 2021-2022 academic year. Right. And so that's the 2021 football season. And then, of course, the, the Ed firing of Ed Orgeron and the change to Brian Kelly um, over in, at Football Ops. And I think it's more reflective of the dysfunction. Um, and just if you didn't already know, just how even more telling that um, they weren't staying on top of them as quite as they should have been near the end of the Ed Orgeron era academically. Um, because the single year score was like 800 something. And I can't remember the exact number all of a sudden, but that's extremely low for a single year. So the APR, there's single year reports. And then the, uh, and then the NCAA looks at a rolling four year total um, in order to, to get to that 923 number, um, which is if over a four year period, your number is below 930 in a single program. You can get hit with penalties uh, up to a postseason ban. This happened in the state a couple of years ago. And we're allowed to compete in the postseason because of this APR score. And so um, usually it's not, so, you know, it's something we report on every single year. And it's not usually too much of an issue, something more to keep an eye on. But now all of a sudden, yeah, LSU, if the NCAA had not decided because of the coronavirus pandemic to lift any sort of penalties for the last two years, it would be facing something that could be um, loss of certain, you know, practice time all the way up to a postseason uh, issue. Um, I don't know if it would have ever gotten to that point. Um, but now this is something that, you know, Brian Kelly and this staff, you know, you hear them talk quite a lot about the importance of academics. Um, this is, you know, there are certain people on the team um, in, at the end of Ed Orgeron who are no longer on the team. Part of their reason is because of academic stuff um, that they've been trying to clean up. And so they're going to have to continue to do that. You know, half of that score um, in the single year was, um, you know, oversaw by Brian Kelly. But this is more so the end of the Ed Orgeron era. And now it's something that Brian Kelly and they're going to have to really get back on track. Because, yes, if next year that score is under 930 again, that rolling four-year score, then LSU is going to face a penalty of some kind as a result. Hypothetically speaking, I it, look, <laughs> I just don't see a scenario where Brian Kelly allows that to happen, okay? But hypothetically, if teams have done – I'm assuming teams have had this happen before – do you know what the normal rate of punishment is on that? Like, is there like a scholarship visits? Like what's the normal reaction to something like that? So it varies based on kind of your um, previous record um, with this. And, it, and there's multiple levels of punishment in terms of severity. There's the level two, there's the level one. And it, all sort of falls into that and so i don't have a specific enough answer i think for you know what would lsu be facing um in this in that you know sort of hypothetical um but it can really the two punishments that i that i've seen on the NCAA's website uh, described 
or loss of practice time that those that would get modified. And again, the biggest one is the postseason ban. Um, back in 2021, I believe it was there were uh, or the 2020 season. It's, I'm getting a couple of years ago. Uh, there was <laughs> up to, I think about 15 teams who had a postseason ban. Um, and again, McNeese was one of those. Uh, Alabama and A&M was another. Alabama State was another. Um, and so there was no, no nobody on the Power Five level had that happen. Um, but they would basically depend on LSU's sort of track record, and they would judge it off of the severity off of off of that. It, because it's not like a multiple time offender, um, it would maybe not face something as severe as a postseason ban. Um, but they also again have time to get that number back up it's just the four-year average has to be over 930 and they'll be okay all right makes me feel a lot better about things i got to admit all right wilson <laughs> wilson alexander joined us wilson i don't believe brian kelly anymore you want me to tell you why he keeps telling me all the time we're gonna go through high school and recruiting we want to be done with the portal and by dog it, here comes Logan Diggs and potentially Trey Amos from ULL. Do you believe – I mean, look, okay, I'm joking with not believing him. I'm not calling him a liar. But, Wilson, it seems like every time the portal opens, LSU is all up in it trying to get really good athletes. What am I – I mean, is he being for real? Do we need to call him out? I mean, not really. You get what I'm – I'm just playing here, but you get what I'm saying. Because now LSU is going back into the portal to get potentially a running back – and a DB from UL. No, I don't think that he, if, <laughs> if they're still doing that to a large extent in 2026, you know, overhauling through the portal like they are, then yeah, it would not have gone to the, you know, what Brian Kelly said would not have ended up being true. But I do think that is what he genuinely believes is that he wants to build the majority of this roster through high school recruiting. They don't want to be relying on the transfer portal year after year after year. Now, this is also college football in 2023. There are going to be times still that they dip into the portal. But in, in like you're seeing right here, it's going after a running back here, a DB there. Um, obviously, earlier this year, because the roster is still not in great shape at certain spots, they ended up having to pull double digits out of the portal. Um, but that's not something that they want to do in future years once they get this roster to a point where the depth is much better um, where they've had you know three four even five recruiting cycles uh to build that thing up i would not unless there is you know sort of a mass exodus that they have to address or something like that expect them to do that sort of widespread overhaul through the portal every single year and go after you know a player here a player there to try to fill a need or maybe upgrade if there's somebody who they really like philosophically I do believe that is what he believes and, and thinks is that they don't want to go through the portal every single year to the point where they're overloading corner, you know, a completely new other than LaTerrence Welch. So it's just, I think, a, a product of where they are in their program right now is they're still not super deep. And there's some guys out there who might be upgrades and make them better. Um, so why not go look at them? If a thousand yard back from the line of scrimmage <laughs> comes up in the portal, you might want to take a look at him. I think Brian Kelly will. All right, Wilson, last one for you, buddy. So the news came out about the playoff. Okay, the expanded playoff in 2024. I love, as an example, the first round being on home campuses. I Look, if LSU were to get into this 12-team playoff and they got to go up to South Bend or they got to go to Ohio State or they got to go back out to LA or wherever they got to go 
that is really a massive deal. But, Wilson, are we really going to play college football semifinals on a Thursday and Friday? You you know, maybe I I just – I don't like that. I guess – what do you think about this scheduling in the NFL – or the – it's not the NFL, but it's close to it. But the playoffs, and how significant do you think all this news coming out? I mean, it makes it more real now that you have actual dates that this is really happening. Yeah, this is definitely, you know, definitely happening. And there was, you know, Ross Dellinger from Sports Illustrated, one of my predecessors here at The Advocate. I'm sure a lot of people around here know Ross, who followed LSU for a long time, did such a good job with all that. He's done a lot of reporting on this whole, the way this is all unfolding. So I recommend people go kind of read Ross's stuff to better understand how the NFL has influenced this because LSU, or maybe not LSU, college football is not trying to go up exact straight up against the NFL, which is, you know, the cash giant that it is America's number one sport. And so that's why we're getting quarterfinals on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and semifinals on Thursdays and Fridays um, because the college football playoff doesn't want to go head to head with the NFL um, on some of those weekends games. So it is kind of weird that it's not going to be a college football Saturday for a playoff. One thing to caution is that this is just for 24 and 2025. Right. Um, the television rights deals uh, change after 2025. There's some renegotiating that's going to have to happen. And so this could look, this schedule with all these dates could look different in 2026. I mean, gosh, the college football calendar might get moved up a week. Week zero might become week one and everything could shift up. There's been a lot of discussions going on about that. Um, so this is just for 2024 and 2025. Yeah, that's how it's going to look with um First round playoff games on campus, which could be really exciting for the host teams. I think that's an awesome thing to have in college football. Keep those games away from, you know, a neutral site. And, you know, it's part of the environment of college football. It's you know, the host stadiums is what makes it part of it so great. Um, and then, yeah, midweek playoff games as well. I don't get it. I, I Wilson, you know this and I know this because you go to Baton Rouge every Saturday at a home game. You think people want to drink during the midweek? <laughs> then they're giving an excuse to drink on Saturdays. That's my <laughs> biggest excuse as a married man. Well, baby, the, the games are on. I got to drink. Does it help at all that this is all during the holidays? And well, so that's the schedules true. are kind of weird and a little bit different. That's true. It, it might change some things. Well, Because that Tuesday, Wednesday is New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. That's true. That's true. I mean, I'd already be drinking. I mean, hell, I drink <laughs> already, so it doesn't matter. So we'll see. But I agree with you. I just, I, like, Wilson, for me, and asking you that question, I just envision, like, Ohio State coming to Baton Rouge on, like, a December 21st on a Saturday. Man, how – it would just be electric, man. I If anything of the college football playoff I actually do like, that's it. Like, that's the biggest thing for me. It's going it it's to be awesome to see those unfold. Obviously, if you're LSU, you want to be one of the top four seeds, which means you're a conference champion and you get a first-round right. bye. But to experience that would also be, I think, something that people would really remember, especially if it was a good game for a long time, to have to be one of those first teams that hosted a playoff game. I think it's going to be a special thing to see in college football because the atmosphere, like you said, with so much on the line in your can- in stadium, is going to be really special. And I think it's sort of a nice consolation for the regular season being lessened in uh, magnitude to a degree, which is something that I have mixed feelings about personally as a college football fan. Um, yes. But to at least have those first-round games on campus salvages that in a way for me. I, I So that's a great way of putting it, not to keep you extended time. That's a great way of putting it because, Wilson, let's call it what it is. If L- Alabama losing to LSU in Death Valley – I mean, does it really matter now, right? Like, 
it doesn't it matters, but it doesn't really matter because Alabama's going to be in the playoff anyway, right? And so it does take a little bit of that sting away that I, I agree with you there. But hey, man, uh, playoff game in Death Valley never happened. It's going to happen soon though. All right, Wilson, thank you so much, buddy. You've been fantastic as always. Thank you uh, for joining us. Thanks for having me, Blake. Have a great rest of your night. You too, man. That's Wilson Alexander. The dude is just a legend, man. Dude's a legend. He's really good uh, at what he does. Let's do this. Let's talk about our good friends over at the Drake Williams Law Firm, drakewilliamslawfirm.com. Let's talk some more LSU football, some LSU baseball, and around your SEC. We talk about that next by the Drake Williams Law Firm, drakewilliamslawfirm.com. Whether you've been injured in an accident, you're preparing for a future with your estate planning, you're getting ready to close in on a real estate deal, or you're about to welcome a new addition through adoption into your family, or you're facing criminal charges, you need very experienced attorneys, and that is what the Drake Williams Law Firm will be able to do for you in navigating the legal system. The door to their cozy office in historic downtown Ponchatoula has been open since 1981. They have helped thousands and thousands of Louisiana families and individuals win cases, close on real estate deals, and regain that peace of mind. Their lawyers over at the Drake Williams Law Firm, Ernie Drake III, Ryan J. Williams, and Summer Vignair are very determined, compassionate, and dedicated to their craft. It's the Drake Williams Law Firm, drakewilliamslawfirm.com. Give them a call today at 985-386-7600. Tell me, good friend Blake Rafino with AYS. Sent you on by. So LSU takes on Auburn this week. We're going to break this down a lot tomorrow uh, as well. But I just want to throw this out there. Okay. Just want to throw this out there. I told you last week. I'm going to tell you again, I know Auburn has a losing record in conference. I know a lot of people don't think that they're good. I know that you think that they stink. I don't necessarily disagree on some of the stank that Auburn has had in baseball. But they are a runaway last weekend to sweeping South Carolina, a really good team, a top top five team, if not a top three team in the country. They can hit. Ike Irish hitting 370. Uh, Bryson Ware hitting 347. Cole Foster hitting 327. Chris Stanfield hitting 311. Bobby Pierce coming on late and strong hitting 373. And Cooper McMurray is hitting 350 in the SEC. Um, let me just go ahead and say this before we talk about this at great length tomorrow. I'm not saying LSU is going to sweep again because I'm on a roll saying it's going to be a tough series and LSU goes out there and sweeps. I know that a lot, a lot can be made of the game last night. I know a lot of you didn't get to see it because it wasn't on television. I was there. LSU raked. LSU looked really good against probably the worst Southeastern Louisiana baseball team that we've seen in a decade without question. I just think that it's going to be another slugfest. Now, last Friday, I came on the show, and for some reason, people in the chat were saying that LSU offensively stinks, which, (laughs) 
for what it's worth, as Pooh Bear puts it up on the board here, for what it's worth, I have no idea what you're talking about. They have a guy in Bryson Ware who's hit 18 home runs this season. And your bullpen, and let's call it what it is, your day two and day three guy, has not been consistent enough for you to come out here and tell me that this can't be a very interesting weekend. Auburn is not a great team. I am with you. But they still have a couple of dudes that can really hit. They have six guys that hit above 300. They have four guys that hit above 350. So to come in here and tell me, Blake, they suck, I get what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. Nevertheless, we'll talk about it at more great length tomorrow, but what do I know? Let me wrap up the show with this. Um, well, I'll go around your SEC, so since we're talking about baseball right now, Look, Tennessee plays Georgia this weekend. South Carolina plays Kentucky. Ole Miss plays Missouri. Florida is at Texas A&M, LSU at Auburn. Arkansas, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt at Alabama. I really like the South Carolina-Kentucky matchup. I think that's a good one. I think Florida at A&M is interesting. Tennessee, 6-0 in their last six SEC games. are Actually, they're on a seven-game win streak if you go back to the LSU one Arkansas Mississippi State I think that that should be a really interesting series in reference to Mississippi State just fired their pitching coach and I think Vanderbilt completely rolls this weekend uh, over Alabama let me though transition this as we're getting on out of here though uh I want to bring up my thoughts on Brian Polian I agree that and agree with the take that it probably wasn't going to be too long until Brian Polian ultimately was leaving LSU. Because, look, he got demoted from on-the-field coach. He became the uh, assistant to the head coach. And regardless of what you believe, regardless of what's been said, it was legitimately a demotion. There's not a lot of other ways to slice and dice it. I've even seen people out here saying that it's a big deal and a problem that Brian Polian has left the building. The issue I have with that, and I understand where people are coming from. Brian Polian was great at roster management, was fantastic at roster management. He was great in the portal. But, guys, if LSU is about to get Logan Diggs and Trey Atmos from the portal, potentially, do you really have a lot of worries about roster management when your head coach is Brian Kelly? Now, if this were Ed Orgeron, I would agree with you. Maybe he did need someone out there helping him with roster management. Ed definitely need that, and he didn't want it. He needed it. Brian Kelly doesn't need it but wants it, that tells you what you should know. But I have legitimately, over the last 24 hours, have seen people out here trying to justify and make the argument that Brian Polian leaving LSU is a big deal. It's laughable. 
It is laughable. Guys, you were in the hundreds in special teams. Now, you could make the argument that Brian Polian didn't have the depth from a special teams perspective. And I know that Brian Kelly said schematically that he still likes what they do. How can you like what you do schematically and then replace the guy that you had in charge to run it? And you tell me that him leaving and him going stepping down as a special teams coordinator was not a demotion. You know, what's also crazy to me is that we give Brian Kelly a lot of praise around the Bayou. And we should give Brian Kelly a lot of praise. Guys, I didn't think we were going to win the West. Did you? Did you? I didn't. You demoted the guy because he wasn't that good. The best pun returner we had, what, what would have happened if LSU would have beaten Florida State week one? LSU should have beaten Florida State week one. There's no reason to fumble the ball twice on punt returns. You had a whole spring and fall to figure that out. And you ran, and look, we know who Malik Neighbors is. The dude's a, the dude's a stud. He's just not great at punt returning. Put somebody back there that's reliable. You know, I mean, when you have fans standing up and cheering because you catch and field the punt. Now, I do agree that LSU had some depth issues. But Polian didn't fix anything. It was Brian Kelly getting involved. Brian Kelly told you midway through the season midway through the season that he was being more involved with the special teams. He was the one running it, not Polian. And telling Polian what he needed to do. Don't hate Brian Polian. I also believe and know that Brian Polian wasn't the best at keeping his mouth shut. Sometimes when you're in a building and politics happen, the best thing to do is not be out there running your mouth. Is what it is. All right. We're in there like swimwear. We're out of there like, uh, I don't even know what we'd be out there of. Nevertheless. All right. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.